Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, curious conversations about the Black and queer experience. I'm one of your hosts, Damon, and today, Jordan, Tony, and I are discussing the complexity of living out loud in the age of social media. What's been the hardest part of your journey um, to self-acceptance? Coming out to my father, mm. and that rejection still sort of influences how I move through life, although that is not going as well. I'm glad that we are able to be there to support you. What things do you deem most important to keep private as we've built this platform? My relationship is is for me. Social media shows me, y'all don't know how to handle soft parts of people. Oh, hell no. You're the one I would say from the start of this journey is the <laughs> most- Locking it down. Well, that was gonna be my first question. I mean, after us doing 80 episodes, do y'all think that we overshare? This is? Coming out is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> you had fun with that one, huh? Yeah. Well, welcome to season eight. Welcome to season eight. <laughs> welcome to season oh eight. Oh my goodness. Like, how did we get here? A new cut. A new style. A new cut. A new hairdo. <laughs> a new cut. A new color. That's what it's she giving. These girls need oil sheen. These girls do need oil sheen. And we, we, <laughs> we got our oil sheen because the girls are in a brand new situation. It looks a little different. It looks a little different in it here. It looks a little different, but it feels... A little familiar yeah. too. We have a little bit of elements of things yeah. that are special to us from our experience of surface level. <laughs> Notably. Notably behind you, Tony. So <laughs> Exhibit A. Season <laughs> our season one promotional art. Mm -hmm. Um photographed in front of the Langston Hughes house in Harlem. Yeah. Um I'm wearing those shoes. Are you? Oh. Yes. All right. Without, <laughs> with everything with intention. <laughs> everything. Always. Um the viewers and the listeners can't smell this, but the fragrance that we smell is actually <laughs> the candle that Damon burnt like every single night that we were preparing Back for the show. The old way. The yeah. old way. Well, which, which candle is it? For, in case someone I, wants to go like your candle. I don't even candle. remember. Not, unless um, they paying for a surface level, you can't get promotion. You're right. You're right. You're right <laughs> about that. But it's from Amazon. Yeah. My um, partner, actually, we do um, good. an Amazon wish list for our stocking stuffers every year, and we've done mm. it since the first Christmas we were dating. Uh, and it, it was something I just put in the stocking stuffer. Okay. It has not left <laughs> my apartment. Yeah. It's still in my apartment to this day. And I was just like, you know what? Let's bring it to the studio. <laughs> yeah, I love things where it immediately evokes a memory. A memory. Mm -hmm. And you smell something and it's like, it takes you back to a place. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, this takes us back to day one. <laughs> uh, 150th Street in Harlem. That's where it takes me back. So what have y'all been up to? We've been gone for a little, kind of a little bit. We've been on and off. We've been gone for a minute, now we're back we at did the jump on. <laughs> we did a couple special things for, for the girls in, the, in, the, in between time. But what have, what have you been up to? Uh, Well, you know, I turned 34. Mm. That was, um, <laughs> you know, just a regular degelish megala birthday. I think I'm going to wait until 35 to do something else. Um, Didn't you go to a caviar bar? I did. A, a, a regular bar. night. Yeah, that's just I mean, it, you know, that's normal stuff. I mean, it wasn't like this big dinner where I invited, you know, a bunch of my friends and things like that. It was just kind of like an intimate thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, just you and? Just me. <laughs> <laughs> me, my man. Oh. oh, oh, oh that's, oh, that's oh. a, well, hold on. Stop the president. <laughs> the girls are going to cut surface level off. There goes, there goes our listenership. <laughs> there goes there goes our listenership. We still have your hair to count on, though. Yeah, you so, know. Yeah, that's still there. Yeah, flourishing. Something different for season eight. Um, and then I actually had the opportunity to do some of, like, some, some podcast work at my nine to five. Mm -hmm. So... 
that was really fun. I was able to like take a lot of the stuff that we learned doing this show and apply it to what I do in my corporate job. Yeah. And it felt like a good like merging of the two. And I just felt like, oh, okay, I did learn a couple of things while we were doing these last seven seasons and mm -hmm. it came in handy. So Yeah, I love when work and personal life can cross over and have some sort of synergy. Yeah. Just make I mean you, we have to work, we have to make a living. However, if we can find something that, you know, there's an easier blend, mm -hmm. but it makes sense like that, it's really nice. It's a nice yeah. intersection. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Tony, what you been up to? Well, I was just thinking, like, last season, we didn't really do updates because we started season seven live with, this, oh, yeah. with an audience. Right. And so I had yeah. to think back on, like, I think when we started season six, I was talking about um, paying off credit card debt. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm happy to announce <laughs> <laughs> that I've paid off my credit card debt. Like, that was major for me. So, so where are you taking us there? So where am I? Um, <laughs> well, okay. That, listen, now that I've paid off my credit card debt, building a real emergency fund is next. Hello. Mm -hmm. And actually, mm -hmm. I've never lived alone, so that's a goal of mine to get my own place someday. Right now, I love where I'm at, but I do desire to have my own space and, like, you know, make it nice like we've done here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then keeping in the the same lane as leveling up, I I have Invisalign. <laughs> so this season I'm going to be tripping over my words. I have a, a small lisp, which mm -hmm. is fine um, because in about a year, I think 12, 13 months, um, it's going to be giving you $50,000. <laughs> and you're jealous. <laughs> you're jealous about it. Does it hurt? It, it actually, so I have a higher tolerance for pain. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the girls were like, ooh, get ready for that pain, get ready for that pain. And you're like, I can't wait. But this right. was a cakewalk compared to getting teeth whitening. Ooh, like that yeah, sensitivity I didn't enjoy that. I didn't sent, got my teeth sent me. Yeah, it was oh, like, baby. It's like a jolting. I've heard yeah, like it's, it. it's like a shooting pain. When was, la when was, when was the last time you got it? Because I feel like the technology got better. I got it um, fairly recently. I hadn't gotten it for like years. And then I was like, okay, let me do it. So it was, I think this year, like earlier oh, this okay. year. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, Damn, it's mm -hmm. like that? Because uh -huh. my dentist does a free uh, teeth whitening every time you get a cleaning, which you should be going at least every six months, I yeah. think. That's a lot um, of teeth whitening. But I don't do it every time. Oh, because, like, baby. Them teeth going to fall out I'm like, what about no, the no, no. enamel? I don't, I don't do it. That's why they, last time they said, would you like your, to schedule your teeth white? I said, no, girl. So, But that, what I would like to schedule is this orthodontist appointment. And I got this Invisalign. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to give the girls a new smile. <laughs> is it a Colgate smile or a Crest smile? Colgate. Colgate. A Colgate smile. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah. That's my life update, really. Everything else is par for the course. Mm-hmm. Demand. And now. <laughs> <laughs> and well, now. The, let's see the, the announced month. The irony. What have I been doing? I've been getting dragged across the internet <laughs> by people that don't listen to our full format show <laughs> to understand that me referencing my now husband as a roommate was a joke from the show. Mm -hmm. Now husband. Now husband, though. Um, mm, so, husband. yeah, I got married. Yeah. It my was, first, it was my lovely. First, it, my first gay wedding. Oh, and you were the... I was a mistress of ceremony. My first gay um, wedding too. Really? Mm -hmm. Y'all were best men. Yeah. Best women. You were, <laughs> you were wonderful women that weekend. <laughs> wonderful. You don't know Very better helpful. women. Very yeah. helpful. I, I didn't know better women. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was fun. It was intimate. Uh, like 50 people that we really care about. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I like doing the shit that way. I don't want all these random people there. This is not... the. <laughs> 
I keep running into people. Oh, I wish I could. What? <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, it was beautiful. Well, it was intimate. And it was a reunion of sorts. I mean, because we both went to Howard. So right. it was like 70% of the people. It was like a mini homecoming. Cause I, it was nice. Yeah. But yeah. And it, unbeknownst to Demond, I found out. You know, I'm I'm on the streets. I keep my ear to the streets. Oh, you, you, you <laughs> and are the, the streets. streets. The streets told me that there was a there were a whole group chat threads going on about, about this what? about the wedding about the wedding about what? the wedding. The, what? I think people do? were just gagging because oh, that, it they was, that it happened. They didn't know that Damon and Stephen were even an item. You know, mm-hmm. and he, regardless of like talking about being with a partner or a roommate or what have you on the <laughs> show, people. A lot of people didn't know who it was. Yeah. And so when those photos came out on Native Son. <laughs> I guess that's so weird to me because, like, I guess because we're so into well, it and we know. The y- thing that. So much. When that whole, like, roommate video was, like, people were losing their shit about it. It was fun. What few things. He submitted the question because he thought it was funny. Oh, your husband <laughs> submitted right. the question that you answered so that everybody got mad about. Answering the question because we knew it was a joke from the show. And then the the other part too was like anyone in our actual lives knows exactly who we are to each other. Right. Like it's not about that it part. was more so a conversation about how we handle proclamations on the show and people being all in your business and I'm like that's what we were talking about. I don't introduce that man as my fucking roommate to y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I, I mean, mean you that, you said that you say it because it's funny. Right, I think but that I that think that's, well, that's part of that's part of the beauty. That's that's showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> that's showbiz. Like people don't know us for real, and so you know they they react and respond to what's on social media, and you just let that shit roll off your back. Um, and so yeah, I can't wait to do our. We got a little surprise for the girls. <laughs> surprise <laughs> with the light. That'll come later. You guys stay yeah. tuned but for that. Speaking about this season, last season we had our theme of Earth, Wind, and Fire, highlighting our different personalities and thought processes and different topics Mm -hmm. uh this season season eight will be titling a reflection uh and each episode will explore uh black queer icons who've come before us uh and using some of the themes from either their lives or their work uh we will kind of infuse that into the conversations we're having so it'll be a fun moment i think uh as i think at the end of last season someone asked like what are you all thinking about for next season i was like Mm -hmm. i'm in this space of sankofa like mm-hmm. looking to the past for the future, how that informs what we do. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna jump into season eight. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Strap on my wig. <laughs> Strap it on. Get ready. Strap it on. Okay. Um, so we start with a game. Mm-hmm. Some things never change. Um, so we're gonna start play a little game based on queer icon Little Richard. Um, so I would highly suggest everyone check out the CNN doc, Little Richard, I Am Everything. So mm-hmm. good. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And it was everything, mm-hmm. right? It was everything. Yeah. So the game is going to be based on a few themes from his life. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think it'll be fun. Yes. All right. So Little Richard often referred to himself as the architect of rock and roll. Who do you think is the architect for the pop girls? Janet Jackson, Madonna, or Whitney Houston? Jordan. Oh. Oh, right. Ooh, is the word. Mm-hmm. Um I would probably say I would probably say Janet. Okay. Okay. Now, if I get this wrong, <laughs> it's I I would say I would say actually Madonna. I would say Madonna. I would say Madonna for the pop girls. I, Janet is that girl, but I would say like 
the girls revere Madonna in a, in a way Madonna's that... Madonna's the highest-selling female artist of all time. Yeah, so I'm a, I would have to mm. go with Madonna. I also think that nobody wants to work as hard as to dance like Madonna, and nobody wants to work as hard as to sing like Whitney. Now, the thing about Madonna, <laughs> so, I do hear she... like I don't think no anyone likes Madonna um, in terms of the industry girls. Diana, like, well, Diana, Diana Ross said that she was very unkind to her woman. kids. <laughs> And she no. will never forget it. <laughs> now, literally. <laughs> and now we will never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so little, Rifer, little Richard, we're going to reference his elaborate style. Okay. He famously says, I puts it on. Mm-hmm. What element of his, of his style do you, would you most like to explore? Elaborate costumes, fabulous wigs, or a beat face? Tell mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the wigs, the costumes... One element. And the face. <laughs> I'm going to go with costumes because that's just like, my face is my face. <laughs> I'm going to go with the costumes because that's just like a lot of fun. I think, I'm like, I think the drama of it all is exciting to me. So mm-hmm. he puts it on and I'm, I'm putting that on. I'm okay. putting those, those looks on. Jordan? Yeah, costumes for me too. Like, I, I mean, I, it would definitely be an out-of-body experience for me, <laughs> but I feel like it would be fun. Like like Halloween. I can see Halloween with anxiety. Soul, we had a whole hour of, like, you, you coming to peace. Yeah, I know. You look cute. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, I would say the, the costumes as well. Or if whoever does Chloe and Halle say, come put a wig on me. Oh, oh well, they they work magic because I'm baby, just like, how, what is know, the braiding the technique? Hair? Where is it at? Right, they do a good job because they have a lot of hair. Hello? That is sorcery. Right, magic. I'm like, how you got a bob? I'm like, <laughs> she has that, that Betty Boop hair. I say, how do you do that? <laughs> okay, um, so Little Richard called the Grammys out while presenting Best New Artist, mm. saying, "Y'all ain't never gave me no Grammy." Mm-hmm. Who would you love to see do the same thing on stage <laughs> at next year's ceremony and call the girls out? People who've never won a Grammy. Hmm. Diana Ross. Oh. Nicki Minaj. Oh. Snoop Dogg. Oh. Oh, Tony's very vocal. Let's start with you. And the award, the Grammy goes to me. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ain't never gave me nothing. <laughs> I'm surprised Diana Ross doesn't have a Grammy. She's she like an honorary. She's an honorary one. And she yeah. got nominated last year and fucking Michael Bublé won. Of course. She was nominated last year? She was nominated last year. It was a I thing. It was like that. Diana Ross will finally get her Grammy. They were like, no. Damn. Yeah, I'm going to go with Diana because mother is past due. <laughs> she's past due. Like, she's, yeah. Jordan, who you want to see on the stage carrying? I mean, I would like to see Nikki <laughs> um, go up. But I actually don't want her to go to the Grammys because I don't want her to um, give them that much. But, you know, if she does choose to go, I would love for her to call it out. <laughs> you know? I'm going to go with Miss Ross because she's going to give them the, the softest but nastiest read. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, a couple more. So Little Richard had a complex relationship with the intersection of his art and religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully y'all know these people. What gospel artist do you would you like to see risk it all and make some secular music? Yolanda Adams mm-hmm. or Leandria Johnson? Ooh, I'm gonna go with Leandria. Jordan, Jordan's going with I know Jordan. Jordan, Jordan is, Jordan's pleading the fifth. No, I'm hopefully you Yolanda, know Yolanda. I, no, of course I know Yolanda Adams. Okay. Of course, <laughs> down. Love Yolanda down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize the second name. Leandria Johnson. Try to be playing her at Trappy Hour. I'm gonna go. Her. go up for her. She's she's got a voice that carries. I probably recognize the song. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Leandra. <laughs> Leandra. I would like that because you know she also she she's a little, she seems like a fun girl, but like. Mm-hmm. 
Yolanda Adams, they pull her out for she when she was singing that Shaka Khan. When Yolanda Adams sang "Sweet Thing," yeah. I said, mm-hmm. "Sign me up." Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> All right, last one, open ended. Uh, you get to plan the BET Awards tribute to Little Richard, mm-hmm. dead or alive. Who's the artist you're bringing out for the finale? For the finale, the Little Richard tribute. Oh I'll go goodness. first while y'all think. Yeah, I'm going with Prince. Oh. Oh, I didn't hear you say uh, that are alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out a word was that was like, less morbid. Prince is still with us. <laughs> Prince is still with us. <laughs> no, Prince is not with us. Um, that's a good one because I'm just trying to think of who invokes like a little Richard. You know his personality, the 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 whole everything drama up and all. Yeah, I don't know. I would probably say. To to end it is really tough because I feel like that's like that has to be right. Okay, so well, I'm who do you think should just be included? I think Miguel should be included. Oh, oh. that's a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel and Prince. <laughs> Miguel and Prince. Who's? Because who else is like that? Uh, is there maybe, another artist? Maybe Lenny Kravitz. Lenny could Kravitz be good. could be good. Yeah, good someone that can do all that. Um, and I did love. You know, I love. I lived for Lil Nas X was. Um, Little Richard for Halloween. Yeah, he yeah. Looked good. an amazing job. Yeah, beautiful gowns, <laughs> beautiful wigs, just the whole. I love when you do a, a costume that pays homage mm-hmm. and also is like you, a great uh, look. Yeah, it's like well executed. Yeah, well yeah. executed. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, a lot of today's conversation will be about the complexity of living out loud. I think it was, I was reading the New York Times. Um, overview of the Little Richard documentary, and it was like he was a person full of contradictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we talk about community and being out, like, you want to be like, this is great. I want to live all out. And then there are all these complexities as to why people do, why they do not, yeah, uh, and the hard times that they have with that. So starting here, um, coming out, people often view as like this big moment versus an ongoing journey. What's been the hardest part of your journey um, to self-acceptance? Jordan. Um, I think the biggest bump in the road of my coming out experience was coming out to my father. Mm. So, um, that didn't go as I envisioned. Um, it actually ended up putting quite a bit of a strain on our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think since I've come out to my father in, let's say 2013, I don't know for, it's been 10 years, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there hasn't been much improvement since mm-hmm. then. And I think that coming out of that conversation and it not going in the way that I wanted it to go, I think it kind of un it kind of undid some of the progress that I made because I came out like two years prior to like close friends, my mom's side of the family, and that was really reaffirming. And mm-hmm. I think that when I decided to come out to my father two years after that, it kind of set me back a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of made me be a bit more guarded with um, my openness of my queerness. And I think that even until you know as recently as this year, I've been struggling with it. And I talk to you two about it often, uh, not often, but I talk, I give you updates here and there about how that's going. But I think that for me, the most challenging part has been sort of detaching my sense of self-esteem and my sense of self-worth from what people think about me, especially when they're people who I love Mm -hmm. and trust and 
want to love me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really, really challenging and something that honestly, it's still like it's still with me. Like mm-hmm. I still think about it. And that rejection still sort of influences how I move through life and, you know, what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with. I think it hel- it's it, it makes it a bit more difficult to move past the shame. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I'm just thinking about the dynamic between a relationship of a black queer man and his dad. And to have that not be going so well is really, it's saddening. And I, I'm, I'm sad for you. I actually just got emotional because it made me think of my dad, Damon's dad, like that that's important. Um, and so although that is not going as well, I'm glad that we are able to be there to support you, to hear the updates, to encourage you. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, even when last season, when Tony, you brought your dad into the studio and had that conversation, like I was getting emotional. And it wasn't just because, you know, the conversation was, you know, emotion filled. It was because I was seeing you and your dynamic with your father. And for me, it was a reminder of what I don't have and what I have to come to terms with the idea that I may never have. Mm -hmm. And so like I was tearing up for both of you talking to your parents because I was just like the love is so you can feel it you can sense it and mm-hmm. um yeah it was one of those moments where I was just like damn like <laughs> yeah. I really I really wish this could be something like a part of my story but you know everybody has their own yeah and, and I think people you find particularly as queer people you find a family and you build the people that will be that for you with or without that relationship we just got married there were very, very few people from either of our families there. Yeah. Including like my my husband's um the people that I actually raised him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we were very adamant about this is a space for this relationship to flourish. For us to who we're very private with our relationship and it was a space for us to open it up publicly to the people that we knew would handle it with care. Yeah. Um, and I think that in doing all that and having a major life event, I never, I've never looked back and thought, oh, I wish X person was there because they have this title in my, title in my life. Yeah. Because I felt like the community that we built around it, and I think the community you built around you, when those life events come, like it, it, it will be filled with so much love that like. Not to say the other thing won't matter, but like you, you won't feel yeah. like you're missing out. You'll be missing out on like the the idea of what someone told you you should have versus like the true feeling of like feeling love and things around you is what yeah. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if you noticed, Mom, but like I actually had a really good conversation with your husband really about like dealing with a father, mm-hmm. um, and that was really actually very helpful in mm-hmm. me sort of taking the next step to communicate my true feelings to my father Mm -hmm. earlier this year um, because I had been holding on to a lot and I've been upset about a lot, but Mm -hmm. I felt like I don't want to say anything because I'm the child and my father needs to be the one to like Mm -hmm. bring up the situation. And the conversation that I had with your husband was actually the motivation that I needed to say, you know what, like I owe it to myself to just say how I feel, put it out there and not be attached to whatever the outcome is and Mm -hmm. only be concerned with 
making sure that I express myself. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when I think about this question and like the parts of coming out that I struggled with, I went to a place of uh, thinking about verbally coming out versus just choosing to be me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those are two different things. Because I don't recall early on me ever being like, hey, announcement. <laughs> uh, she's here. She's queer. I just remember deciding to be me mm -hmm. and yeah. not hide parts of myself um, as best I could and yeah. navigate through that. And so I felt like choosing to just be me was self-acceptance. And maybe that's what where the struggle was, accepting who I was and just leaning into that. And once I decided to do that, then became the job of navigating that space. Uh, and a lot of my early thoughts were about disappointing family. My mom, my, um, really I think about like my grandmother, uh, but just not wanting them to, to be disappointed with me not being something that they thought I would be, you know? Yeah. Uh, parents, we've talked about on the show, are they, they want to see you get married and have children, and that version of it is a heterosexual moment, and that's just not what it is. Um, and so I struggled with that part. And I also think about it, that the religion part. I'm not very religious, but I think about, like, the church and Demon. You mm -hmm. grew up in the church, and, like, that's probably something you might say in your response to this question. Um, but the last thing is the struggle of what people would think about me publicly. And, mm -hmm. like, I knew I was leaning into who I was, and I'm going to go out into the world and, and, and be this person who is queer. But how do I show up? And so I want to give the girls <laughs> a little bit of a... <laughs> some things a never quick, change. <laughs> some things never change. Something old, something new, something <laughs> blue. <laughs> um, so this com came from psychi psychiatrictimes.com, and it says, for some gay men... Hiding and passing as heterosexual becomes a lifelong moral hatred of self. It says a maze of corruption, petty lies, and half-truths that spoil social relations and family and friendship. And there are many gay men who, before they come out, were either gay baiters or gay bashers. And thinking about that, I think that was a struggle too. Like, am I going to be targeted? Am I going to be safe? Mm -hmm. What does that look like publicly? That's what I was thinking about mm -hmm. because in those, t in the before times, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you had to think about your safety, mm -hmm. so, and you still do now. Yeah, um, do. we yeah. live in New York City. We're in a bubble, but it could still happen here. It could still happen here, and it does. And it does. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the thing that, yes, the religion piece of my upbringing was hard to um, reconcile. Uh, it's interesting, as I got older, my parents moved to a church that's been quite queer accepting, and they know exactly who I am and have loved on me um, as my parents' child. Um, but what, as I think about like the, the, like the real journey of like self-discovery and understanding who I was, I think honing in on like what my, what, how I identify actually was was the hardest part. Like I've more, talked more, more frequently now about identifying as queer. Um, and I think that in getting to there, it was just like, I lived a life where I th thought, or at least I thought I should have been straight. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like, okay, well now I have to be 
no, when, then when I first came out, I was like, oh, I'm bisexual. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then as I was like, living through that and like all of the the feelings that come along with that and like the, the reactions from people that come along with that, I was like, well, I can't be bisexual because that's not accepted, mm-hmm. yeah. um, particularly in our community. So then I was just like, I'm gay. Um, and then like as I lived as gay for a long period of time, I think that I just had a lot of awakening and understanding of who I was and understanding of like how I thought and felt and how much of that was being colored by the thoughts and opinions and expectations of other people. Mm. Uh, and I think that once I got past that, I became, got moved into the space of like, well, actually, no, I'm queer. I think that my attraction to various types of gender expressions is, is varied. Am I most attracted to cis men? Yes, but that's not my only attraction. And I think that understanding that and having the language and being able to defend it and not fall into the trap of believing in like the, the quote DL narrative, mm-hmm. which I find offensive, or coming into a trap and feel like I'm deceiving someone just because they can't wrap their mind around the fact that I'm not just attracted to people that look like you or who live like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been the, the big piece of discovery and, and the thing that's been conflicting and going back to like the idea of contradictions mm-hmm. um, in my life that ha- has just been been a very interesting journey for me. Yeah, well, I'm I'm thinking about those times, right? And that was pre-social media. Mm-hmm. And now everything is on social. Child. Everything is um, not my relationship. That's why the girls. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it's just it's a whole different world in these streets, and the question is, as as you've navigated being out in this age of social media. What are your thoughts about creators who are out there that choose not to acknowledge or even reject their queerness publicly? Jordan? I mean, I think that there's been an evolution for me. I think that when I was, you know, when I came out, I thought, this isn't bad. Everybody should do it. And I think that that sort of clouded my judgment on how other people decided to move forward with their expression. Mm -hmm. And so I automatically associated um, being closeted or refusing to share your orientation publicly as a a personal slight Mm -hmm. um, to the community. And I think that even- You're a bad gay. <laughs> right. I mean, we even talk about it in season three. We had an episode called "No Face, No Case" where we talked about Demani talked. Uh, we talked about like the the DL narrative and and what we should be saying is closeted folks. Um, but I think that you know wh- what I'll say today is that I feel like people should have the freedom and the patience to be able to move at their own pace with how they want to share themselves Mm -hmm. i think that um (laughs) we expect a lot from people and we think that Mm -hmm. people owe us (laughs) intimate parts of their life or Mm -hmm. things that they may be struggling with or things that they may be confused by or things that that might actually create violence for them in their immediate environment should it ever become public so i think that my approach to this is like you don't have to come out you don't have to share your orientation, um, but 
you should be mindful about how you're talking about the community. I don't think that you should be bashing the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is um, something that needs to be explicitly said. Like, I don't like that. Like, you you know, yeah. like you're you're only attracting more attention to your orientation when you bash people of other orientations. Mm-hmm. Because then it's just like, why are you not confident in who you truly are? Mm-hmm. And why does what people are over here doing bothering you so much? Yeah, I mean. Now sim- we're looking and now we're asking questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Now, but similarly to the mindset, like the my thought process has evolved. Maybe before I would have been like this is fucked up, you know, they ain't shit. But after I give it some thought, I, I think that until I walk in someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. I don't know why they choose the path that they walk. Go off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why. And so I think that some people do it because they if, they're, if they make their money by being uh, appealing to general audiences versus, you know, being pegged as someone who's queer, they, they might think that it might stop the bag. I don't know. Um, and there's statistics that that type of demiscri- um, discrimination does happen in professional fields. Yeah, we know that. So We do, right. And and admittedly, it's it's really hard to sit back and see someone who sort of like dials d- back their um, identity their, if they're queer or, or, you know, what have you. And to know in real life what it's actually giving, it's a little irritating. I, can, I will say that it's irritating, <laughs> you know, but I can be irritated, but still understand that there may be more going on. There may be more to it. It makes me sad for the individual, but then I just have questions. Mm-hmm. I want to know more. I'm curious about why you're choosing to do that. And then maybe yeah. if I knew those answers, I could say, oh, okay, I, I understand it. But because we don't ask questions and a lot of times these are just people that we are throwing our people. opinion right we don't know these people so we will never have the answers and we'll come up with our own to our own conclusions about mm-hmm. them and i've stopped doing that i'm giving myself reclaiming my time reclaiming <laughs> <laughs> my time you know I, I, I listen i i on the bonus episodes we just did uh, one of the things i said about trust is that it's for me it's about um, laying yourself bare and then in allowing someone to handle the soft parts of you. Mm-hmm. And social media shows me, y'all don't know how to handle soft parts of people. Oh, hell no. So, <laughs> listen, if somebody is not fully secure in what they want to share, mm-hmm. then they likely will not share it. Yeah. And I think that's true, too, for sexuality, for relationships, for, I don't know, the income or for whatever their professional goals or et cetera are if these are things that like when you share things people have this this narrative of well you put it online so now i'm supposed to talk about it i'm like (laughs) talking about it and talking crazy to people are two very different things right um so yeah i think that i I think uh, similar to what you always say like maybe before my life i'm like well why won't you but why won't you but i'm like y'all now being more on the internet and see how these people act. Yeah. I think I think what what comes into play sometimes is that let's look at the instance with little Richard. I wasn't around in that time when all of that was going on mm-hmm. and but I can imagine that as a queer person mm-hmm. watching this person on the platform, yeah. like you're you're sitting back and you're like, "Please just say it." Mm-hmm. You know, like and I and I can understand the want for that, but I think that to, what, to the point you all just mentioned, 
we have to like we have to lighten up our expectations just because these people occupy a public space and just because they're you know they have a platform it doesn't mean that they're not struggling with it like mm-hmm. every everything can't be Everybody's in service of you right right <laughs> well speaking of because demand was actually hitting on something that i want to discuss with you guys and that's the aspect of oversharing mm. um and, and what do we think about that i think that creators get sort of, uh, I don't know, they get glorified for oversharing. And it's looked at as a, a, a wonderful thing. But then people shame those who are hiding parts of themselves. If you're a creator, they're like, you need to tell us everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what things do you deem most important to keep private as we built this platform? And why? Well, <laughs> as our resident... <laughs> Uh, cast member who likes to get dragged on the internet. Um, <laughs> I would say my relationship is is for me and for the close people in our lives. Um, and a, a big piece of that is I've decided to do something where I talk about my life and my experiences to X amount of strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can the whole point is spark conversations, stay curious, ask questions. Um, but my partner didn't sign up to do that. Mm-hmm. My partner, like I, I talk about the themes of my life and the themes yeah. of relationships and the experiences I've had. Um, and it's not specific to my partner or to the specific names of a lot of people that we talk about here. Um, just because they, they didn't ask for that. They're, they're just living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like there can be times when we do go places publicly together and people see them like, oh, you all. Yeah, <laughs> us. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, y'all. y'all. People be shook, y'all. Like, oh. <laughs> like, I've never, I've especially people that know time. us separately. Right. I've seen that all, happen, it's, too. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. I love it. But, uh, yeah, I just, that's, it's not, the specifics of it is not fodder for for individuals whom I don't know, yeah, yeah, and particularly because, like, and I and I actually engage a lot of people that I've met through doing the show, like in our DMs, we talk about various things. But like now, it was something happened when we crossed that like ten thousand follower mark on Instagram, <laughs> where <laughs> it just got real wild. Where troll like people, accounts, troll accounts, people that don't listen to the full format show only see clips. Yeah, like the comment section's crazy. It's real. Like it's I, wild. I, I'm just like. Do you all talk to people like this in real life? Because if you were sitting at this table with me, I probably punched you in the throat by now. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting journey we're on because like there are new unlocks. Like we've not experienced this level of scrutiny, attention in in the way that yeah, and just engagement. Just engagement, right. Yeah, and and I just think that for me, social and I and I've done for our I've done the experience of we're all online and we post all the happy pictures. And I also thought that mm-hmm. that created a level of undue stress in our relationship because then you feel like, am I, Cut am I li- goals or yeah, like, like, am I living some type of lie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I'm on the, the black gay couples Instagram yeah. and then meanwhile, we fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was my experience. Like we a couple goals and I'm just like, we're in a violent relationship. Mm-hmm. Not my current one, my previous one. Yeah. Um, and that created a, undue levels of stress. So yeah, relationship is hard mm-hmm. not hard but it's complex yeah um and i just find that it's healthier for me without the complexity of opinions outside of people that i know well yeah i mean listen this this, this 
question begs another question for me. Is nothing sacred anymore? No. Like, it's nothing sacred anymore. (laughs) And to me, I get much joy and pleasure out of gagging the girls when I'm like my boyfriend and they're like, since when? (laughs) And because I get to still be, I get to show up as who I am Mm -hmm. in every space that I exist in. Mm -hmm. And when I do that and then I gag the girls because, you know, the girls may, they might be flirting or they might be thinking that I'm flirting back or maybe I am. Like, I'm definitely whatever, flirting back. Whatever, is, whatever the case may be, but then you gag them and say, oh yeah, my boyfriend is giving like, and, or when we show up together, I just love having that peace. Like that for yeah. me, that's for me. If I yeah. give you everything, right. what do I have that's mine for me? Mm-hmm. And so when I go back, I need a sanctuary. I need a safe space. I need to be able to, 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 to bear it all if you will like mm-hmm. take all the layers off and just have something that belongs to me take the little richard yeah. wig off and so yeah i gotta take the wig off and sit it on the <laughs> on that wig head on that wig head <laughs> because and so that that's to me why i think now i've cho- i've chosen to keep uh, my relationship more private talk about broad themes i don't i don't mind talking about how i navigate in my relationship yeah um but I do think that I don't need it to be Channel 9 News no. um, or Channel 7 News. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's a little Easter egg for the girls. It'll, if not for y'all, well, for y'all maybe. Um, but yeah, I, what do you think about this, Jordan? Like, what's, I mean, what do you keep private? I mean, you're the, you're the one I would say from the start of this journey is the most. Locking it down. Well, that was going to be my first question. I mean, after us doing 80 episodes, do y'all think that we overshare? Mm. No. No? Mm-mm. I don't f- I don't feel like we overshare. I feel like we share just enough. Well, what's oversharing? That's a good question. Because I feel like we put a lot out there. Yeah. I mean, over 80 episodes about our lived experiences. Well, absolutely. People will say, I would never talk about this. Yeah. And some of the things we talked about are things we was, said we would never. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's been episodes where I'm like, are we about to do this today? But I, I think it's, when I say when I think of oversharing, I think about the specifics of life yeah. versus the themes of life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's about the talking about sexual experiences or environments, but not like, and then at 3 p.m., 3 a.m. at meet, Mm-hmm. I ran into such and such. Like, it's not one of that those. Yeah. Where, like, people love to see, like, oh, and what happened once y'all left the house in the Sailor Moon costumes? Don't worry about it. Stay curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite retort. Stay curious. Well, I mean, I think for me, even though we started off this episode talking about my relationship with my father, I do feel like the intimate details of like what happens mm-hmm. with my family dynamic is something that I choose to keep private. Um, you know, I'll talk broadly about there being discourse, disagreements, strain, um, you know, those type of words, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go in depth about, you know, what exactly was said mm-hmm. and how I reacted to it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is because we see what happens on the internet when you share the very explicit right. parts Listen. of yourself. Because then, like, for somebody like me who may read them and be like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. that, 
is was that something that played? Like now it's in my head and now I'm thinking about it. And <laughs> I'm just like it's the Jada Pinkett effect. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> because they drag this woman mm-hmm. for doing what everyone does. And th- I feel people think that he that she's emasculated Will and blah 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 and yada yada yada. And like he put out his book, he shared details, but he it's I don't know what that's about. I like Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. I I I I, I I hate what's going on with that, but I'm like, is that is she the victim of oversharing? Is mm-hmm. that I don't know, because I, I the, the Jada Pinkett hate train is very real, and yeah, I just I don't, don't understand it. Well, I think a lot of people don't understand it, and that's why there's so much confusion around it. I don't think that a lot of people are doing the the work to actually Everybody investigate will, the right. situation. Like, how many people are commenting on Jada and Will without reading either of their memoirs? Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's where the information is, but mm-hmm. how many people are just looking at headlines? Yep. And guess who's creating those headlines? People who are trying to get engagement on their blog so that they can charge more for advertising so that they go, they can go on a vacation and post pictures. <laughs> that part. You need so to you, understand. <laughs> that was a Phaedra Parks. I mean, people don't understand how these things work. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's people are creating headlines and creating narratives out in the public so that you feel and like compelled to give a hot take on something. Mm-hmm. And it's really just about engagement. So they could say, look, you know, P&G, we just got one million views on our last video. We're going to bring up the price on an advertisement on our page. And yeah. so now everyone goes home with more money. Um, but yeah, I think that people are having that discourse because they're not doing the work to understand the actual situation. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. Which is why it's really tough to share so much of yourself because you do have to factor in the risks that most people who consume this content online oh, will hooligans. never care enough to actually get the full story. Hooligans. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Child, let me let this boot up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I mean, we we love the documentary I Am Everything. And a key part of it was, um, a key moment, rather, was in 1997 when uh, Little Richard was recognized at the American Music Awards. And there was a feeling that he had finally been recognized for his contributions to music um, and broader uh, culture, that is. As we reflect on our lives, uh, who was a queer person that you you know, want to make sure that they receive their flowers and, and for what? Damon, let's start with you. Yeah, community. She's not always bad. She's good sometimes. Who? <laughs> um, <laughs> community. Community's a good thing, girl. Community's a good yeah. thing. We community live for community. Can be nasty work sometimes, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is that a TV show, Community? Yeah, it was a show. <laughs> <laughs> Random thought. Uh I would say two people. Uh, the first guy I dated and the one that I married. Period. Uh, and the first one, I think a lot of my, conceptually why I like to break a lot of rules and experience life uh, on my own drum and the care that I received from him, uh, Corey, when we dated in Boston. We're still friends today. Mm-hmm. Um colored so much of my formative gay years, I would say, uh, when I first came out. Uh, And then my husband, because it has been an affirmation for me about wanting to build something wholly unique and only having to find one other person that understands it and gets it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he gets it. Um, And the first thing that he said when we were, I remember when we first met, he was like, yeah, mm. I would only date someone seriously again if we could build something that was wholly unique and just for us. Mm-hmm. And that is what I feel like we've done. 
Amen. Love that. Good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> Tony. So for me, it's really important. Like, I don't have a person. I have folks, people. Mm-hmm. And it's important that the people who have impacted shaping who I've become, this mm-hmm. woman you see before your very eyes, <laughs> mm-hmm. that they feel seen. And so I did put a couple words down because I have a lot of names. And when you get to naming names, you always leave you someone ain't out. You ain't so I was like, I'm not going to play that game. But I do want to say to each and every one of you, and you know who you are, you've had a significant impact on me and who I've become as a person in this world. And Damon, you'll appreciate this. I want to thank you all for loving yourself to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little Easter egg, too. And through the good times and the not so great, you all deserve to know just how special and important you are to me. And specifically you, like each person has done something that I hold near and dear to me. And so for that, I say thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome, love. <laughs> he wasn't talking about you. Just me. Oh, just you. Oh, well, that's that's why I that's what I wanted for everyone to feel seen. That well, it's, I'm talking to the individual. I'm gonna let them know. Yeah, that was just for me. Jordan, what about you? Um, I want to give flowers to my friend that I met in the fourth grade. His name is Tehran Austin. We both grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, and we had an amazing friendship. Uh, he was femme. He was everything. Yes. Uh, we used to draw together. We used to, you know, share in our interests of Spice Girls mm-hmm. um, and Destiny's Child and, like, girl groups. <laughs> um, and I think what was um, really, really special for me is that whenever I would go to his house, his aunt Sharon would draw these models, if you will, like, and then draw us little outfits, and we would cut out the outfits and put the outfits on top of the model, and we would mismatch it and stuff like that. So it was kind of like having like it was kind of like having like hand drawn dolls, and we called them demonstrations because we would trace over it and do it ourselves <laughs> and In put different grade, outfits on demonstrations? it. Demonstrations. She would draw a figure model, and we would trace it, and then we would put our own clothes. We would draw our own clothes on top of it, mm. and I just remember just how femme. He was and how affirming his Aunt Sharon was. Mm. And just seeing that, because that wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing in my own home. Like, I felt like being in his house, I felt like I could just be myself. And I didn't have to, you know, uncross my ankles. And I didn't have to, like, you know, act like I cared about a certain artist when I really wanted to talk about the girls. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know where he is, but we did fall out because there was a point in time where I felt like I made a intentional decision to distance myself from him because mm-hmm. I was trying to avoid um, being picked on because of the perceived queerness. But yeah. I hope that he's doing well. I hope that he knows that he's had a lasting impact on me. I still think about him to this day. I hope he's doing, you know, great things and being the creative person that, you know, we grew up being together. And yeah, I want to I want to dedicate that to him. Yeah, well, you know, I love the the growth journey, and mm-hmm. for those that are interested, we do have an episode that we, we recover from phobia with yeah. our beautiful friend Christopher Griffin, Plant Queen. So, <laughs> go back and listen to that. Yes, that's all the time we have this week. 
This season of Surface Level is presented by Moby, Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative. If you enjoyed this episode, let's keep the conversation going. Let us know your thoughts and questions at surfacelevelpodcast.com. And remember, stay curious.